The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Everybody and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown. This is Mass Lives Red Sox podcast, and I'm the host, Chris Catillo. Last week, we had a long, wide-ranging interview with new and former Red Sox manager, Alex Guara, who's back for his second stint. And I guess we're just going to keep going down the coaching staff, as this week we have uh, one of the newest members of the Red Sox organization, Alex Guara's new bench coach, Will Venable. Will, thanks so much for uh, taking the time and doing this today. Of course, Chris. Thanks for having me. So I guess we'll jump right into it. Uh, obviously, this has kind of been, I'm sure, a whirlwind offseason for you, going through uh, the process of interviewing for the manager job and then eventually being hired as the bench coach. Um, you know, when you're going through that managerial process, and I think this is, you know, it's my first opportunity to talk to somebody other than Alex who went through that. Um, I guess we'll start with, did you think that there was a chance they were going to hire someone other than Alex Gora as their manager? I mean, I think there was kind of this, prevailing thought from everywhere that you know they were just kind of going through the motions but it seems like they really were considering everybody else yeah it's interesting and and when you get when you're going through the process and you get to hear some of the other names it kind of gives you a sense for you know what the team is looking for and where kind of you fit in and in that uh kind of with your abilities and with your with your experience and so uh, you know, when I saw the other names on the list, um, you know, guys that didn't have any managerial uh, experience in the big leagues, you know, I I thought that that was kind of uh, one of the directions that they were considering. Of course, I knew Alex was in the mix, too. So, uh, you know, there were uh, varying ways that I know they could have gone. But uh, obviously, uh, Alex is uh, an outstanding candidate and, and someone that impressed him and, um, you know, was the right guy for the job. And once he was hired, were you surprised to get the bench coach call? Yeah, I was really surprised. I had really kind of checked out, you know, it's, it's one of these things where you go through uh, the managerial interview process and you imagine yourself there, you know, you, mm-hmm. to, to really go for it, uh, you have to envision yourself there and have confidence that you're going to get the job. And, and so kind of that uh, roller coaster of, of going through that process and then not getting the job and then getting my mind back on the Chicago Cubs. Right. Uh, you know, once I was in that mode, it was, it was really surprising to then, you know, think again about uh, joining the Red Sox organization. How did that progress, you know, once Alex was back as the manager? And I'm sure they called and told you that they were going to go in a different direction with that spot. Um, so once Alex was, I guess, assembling his staff, did he reach out? Did Heim Bloom reach out? Or, or just kind of take us through how that process uh, came about. Yeah, so Heim, Heim reached out and just said, hey, you know, this is what we're thinking. Would you be interested in talking to Alex? Um, from their perspective, from the baseball office perspective, I had – you know, sat with them and, uh, you know, at least on Zoom and talked to them. And so they had a good feel for, for me. And it was really about, you know, Alex and I seeing if we were a fit and, and obviously Alex seeing if, if I was the right guy for him. So, uh, you know, Heim introduced the idea and then, you know, talked to Alex soon after that and was able to get on the phone for a while and, and talk about things. And, uh, you know, it ended up being a great fit. 
I think with this bench coach job, obviously the last time Alex was hired, he uh, brought in Ron Renicky, who'd been his manager in the minors, someone he had a lot of familiarity with, an experienced manager. Um, and, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you and Alex have, have worked together or been teammates or, or anything like that. So what is your history with him? Um, when I asked him last week, he said our history is, or our, our connection is that we're just both baseball guys, both baseball runs in the family and pretty easy to connect, but there's no, um, your paths really haven't crossed in the past, have they? No, no history. Uh, I mean, just a couple times, uh, you know, on a baseball field and at, you know, team hotels and stuff, you know, just uh, very briefly, our, our paths have crossed. Uh, but like I said, you know, I think we, we are uh, pretty similar in the way that we look at the game and, you know, with the, the history of baseball and our family, just, you know, it, I, I think it's a good fit and going to be a great relationship. One thing you said that was kind of interesting, um, kind of go off script for a sec. You said that your interview for the manager was done completely via Zoom. Yeah. Um, so I guess how you've been through this process with other clubs before interviewing and not just for managerial jobs, but other ones. How bizarre was that? And to try to, I guess, it was probably an hours long type deal over Zoom, right? Yeah, I think it could have been more challenging if the people on the other end weren't uh, as personable as they are. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everyone in baseball ops is, is amazing. Uh, Eddie, Zach, and Raquel, and, and BOH, and uh, obviously Heim, just very personable group uh, that, that made it easy, uh, you know, through a, a, you know, mechanism that's usually can be, you know, can, can be awkward. There's right. space for it to be awkward. So, uh, it, it was great. They, they ended up doing a great job with it and ended up being kind of natural. Of course, you know, there's, a, I think, an element of being comfortable and being able to be in a room face-to-face uh, -face that, that you miss out on. But, you know, considering everything else, they, it, it was it was a great experience. Yeah, I'm sure for them it was, it was weird trying to go through the process. And I know that they were, um, at the beginning, trying to figure out if they could bring people in or if they had to do it all over Zoom. So it seems like it was kind of a, a hybrid thing once it got rolling. Uh, we talked about you know, Cora and not too much familiarity there. Um, anybody else in the organization that, that you know pretty well, whether it's players or coaches or anybody like that? Well, you know, I was in L.A. at the end of my career for two weeks, and mm -hmm. Tim Hires was the assistant hitting coach. And um, for the two weeks I was there, and he, he, he didn't do a good enough job on me to fix my <laughs> swing, but won't hold him against it. I think I was a lost cause at that point. Uh, but Tim's great, uh, and I'm really excited to work with him again. Um, uh, Ray Fuentes, our mental skills guy, was someone that came from the Cubs, and, right. and I know well, uh, which is great. Um, and, you know, and then guys just being around, you know, uh, Tom Goodwin, you know, seeing mm -hmm. him every day. I feel like I know him uh, just because in, in passing, again, I've, I've seen him so much and talked to him so much. Um, and uh, Mike Brenly, the bullpen coach, or bullpen catcher, he, uh, you know, our, our – fathers played together and so we have history I, I didn't hang out as much as a kid with him as I did his sister but um you know uh, there's some there's some ties there but definitely a lot of new relationships to build do you think it helps obviously the Cubs foundation whether it was Theo or Jed Hoyer or you, know, you go down the list of the front office and even you know the coaching staff you know Butterfield David Ross obviously guys that have been here do you think that helps to kind of I'm sure there's same foundations of philosophy, philosophy and, and a lot of familiarity between the two organizations. So have you noticed that so far? Yeah. You know, I don't know if I've been able to dig in enough to, to know that about the Red Sox, but mm -hmm. you certainly get the impression. And, and as a spectator, you know, someone observing from a distance, you obviously have the greatest respect for 
the Red Sox and their history and the people that get to put that uniform on and then, you know, getting to work with some of those people, you know, you understand why, you know, and I think the Red Sox is really about the people and, uh, you know, the, the values that they're able to uphold and, uh, you know, certainly seeing the people that I know that have been there, uh, it, it reflects greatly on the organization and there's no, no wonder there's so much respect for it. Having such a front row seat to the Cubs for you know the last few years, what was your reaction to the news that Theo Epstein was was stepping down and Jed Hoyer is obviously a guy you also know really well is going to be taking over in the big chair now. I think it didn't catch uh, people in baseball that much by surprise, but you know still I think the timing of it was a little bit shocking. Yeah, I think uh, it, it makes sense for me on on and it just speaks a lot to uh, you know. Theo and his leadership and, and Jed's leadership also and him being capable of that job and uh, Theo's just understanding of how that that's uh, there's a, some decisions that need to be made that should be made by the person uh, that's going to be here in the future and so I, I think it made a lot of sense now actually seeing it happen you're right is is kind of mind-blowing yeah. you know uh, uh, to see him uh, you know uh, leave you know the franchise that he he helped build uh, so so much like and did such a great job uh, it, it is a little uh, shocking but uh, at the same time it makes sense and I really think speaks a lot to you know the kind of people that Jed and Theo are. So you spent a few years there first as a special assistant to the GM right and then uh-huh. on, to, on to the coaching staff um, that time in Chicago I think you know they're obviously there's a lot of similarities between the baseball cities not just the front offices in terms of you know, passionate fan base, long-suffering fans, as you know. Um, and I think a lot of people have pointed toward you know, to their first coaching, their first um, post-playing career experiences, and you jumped in really quickly right after your career. What did that time in Chicago mean to you, and, and what did you learn? What were some of the things that you learned about yourself and, and potentially what do you want to do for a future career in the game? Yeah, I, I love Chicago. It was amazing, and, you know – to have Jed bring me in and, and really was the kind of guy that I had reached out to when I was trying to figure out what to do. And mm-hmm. uh, he really uh, just laid out a really great opportunity for me and, and really invested in me and helped develop me to, you know, to where I'm at now and have the opportunity to be a bench coach for the Red Sox. Um, so that's made a great deal. And then all the relationships that I was able to build, the, uh, there's just so much collaboration that happens in the, the Cubs organization that it's just, it, it's it's your value you feel valued you feel like mm-hmm. your contributions are valued and it's really a uh, just a fulfilling experience so there's a lot of people that i'll miss um, a lot of things that i learned and, and really i think things that help sharpen me for for whatever my next role is or this role i should say um but whatever it looks like i know i'll be prepared because of the things uh that you know i learned in chicago that role the bench coach role i think it's evolved over time you know even in the three years since Alex was hired the first time, you know, like we, like I said, he was looking for an experienced guy in his first role. Obviously you haven't managed in the big leagues before. Um, and I think someone wrote that your job is to be like the chief of staff almost. And uh, you know, like the way Alex described it to me last week on here was this is going to be a collaborative effort where everybody has their titles, whether, you know, you're the bench coach, Ramon Vasquez is the quality control coach. And, um, you know, everybody has different titles, but it really is a collaborative effort where, you know, maybe that traditional hierarchy that you saw, even when you were playing, which was not too long ago at all, um, doesn't have as much um, as it used to, I guess, in terms of, you know, where everybody fits in. What are your thoughts on that? And, and just seeing how, I guess, the role of a bench coach or the role of coaches have evolved even 
uh, since you've started down the coaching path? Yeah, you know, that's a great way that Alex described it. And that's, that's how I, I view it too, is, you know, there's, there's just work that needs to be done. There's, there's things that need to be done. And, uh, you know, I think the great thing about a bench coach is that you, you need to have the humility to, to do whatever it takes, you know, whatever mm -hmm. we need to do to get the job done. And the bench coaches that I've been around and uh, guys that are, you know, whatever it is, picking up baseballs in the cage that day, um, printing out documents. I mean, just whatever whatever we need to do changing the ink cartridge in the printer i mean like whatever um you just have to be willing to do it and that's something i'm looking forward to alex has a bunch of great people that have that know him that have been around him um you know whatever i can do to support them that's how i'm kind of coming into this um saying hey like you're right there is there is no hierarchy there's just things that need to be done of course guys have their daily roles and responsibilities but However I fit in and supporting those guys and, and getting the job done is what I'm looking forward to. What do the days look like for you right now? Are you reaching out to players? Are you looking at um, watching games from last year, trying to have, I guess you're probably, you know, in Zoom meetings with the organization a lot at this point, but what does the day-to-day -day look like at this point as we get into December and the offseason keeps rolling? Yeah, really trying to learn the organization the best I can. And, and that involves uh, a lot of phone calls, um, a lot of, uh, you know, just kind of checking out what uh, tools are available and just how things are structured. Um, you know, probably going to wait a couple days. I've, I've talked to some players, but wait a couple days to really reach out and, and start talking some baseball with some guys and start connecting with some players. Uh, just feel like I need to, to learn the organization a little bit better before I do that. Um, but yeah, that, that's about it. You know, uh, like I said, just kind of education mode and trying to figure out what's going on. And then you know, before long, we'll, we'll have to start talking about spring training and, um, you know, kind of uh, philosophies and, and plan for, for uh, gearing up for the next year. And, and what I've read is that you're in the past have been a big influence on base running. And that's been something that um, Alex talked about that he wants you to bring to the coaching staff in the past in the Red Sox, Alex has wanted them to play faster, um, you know, and, and that is in all facets of the game. But he, in his introductory reintroductory press conference a couple of weeks ago, said as he was watching from home this year, he noticed that you know, the Red Sox were not playing as fast as a lot of their opponents. In terms of base running, in terms of bringing speed to the game, what do you bring and what do you envision as uh, kind of improvements for the Red Sox in that regard? Yeah, you know, without, without knowing the guys, without um... – you know, having a great understanding of, of what the Red Sox specifically need. I, I know the things that I value and mm -hmm. I know talking to Alex, they're, they're very similar. I think, you know, having an understanding of, of, of your moment and understanding of, of situations is huge. And, and then putting yourself in a position physically also to uh, be prepared every pitch and to really tap into your athleticism is something that, you know, whether it's defensively or on the bases, uh, uh, really at any, at any point as you're preparing for your moment is, is huge. These guys are great athletes and they need to, you know, get in positions to, uh, to let that come out. And so, you know, I think whether it's how you, you know, frame up your mindset, uh, drills that you can do, uh, just putting, your, putting yourself in a position to take advantage of whatever opportunity is out there and, and whatever play you need to react to. Um, and, and really being committed to that, I think is something that Alex is passionate about. I'm passionate about, and um, I'm sure every team is, is trying to figure out how they can improve on. So I want to dig into your background personally in a second, but a couple more Red Sox questions. Obviously, uh, you're an outfielder. Alex said that there's kind of an expectation that you'll be working with 
Tom Goodwin, who you mentioned, and working with the outfielders in addition to base running and all that stuff. Red Sox are bringing back, uh, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a free agent, but they're bringing back in two guys, Andrew Benatendi and Alex Verdugo, um, you know, who had very opposite years last year. And I know you've been in the National League, but just from afar, and obviously seeing Verdugo, I'm sure, with, with the Cubs, but what are your impressions of those two players and Verdugo and Benatendi? Oh, really, really excited to to get to know them better and see them play on a daily basis. Uh, ben Attendi, as a left-handed hitter, really both of their swings are are beautiful. But mm-hmm. Ben Attendi, from a uh, as you know, a, an observer from afar, uh, have have really just uh, respected his swing. I think his his swing is is one of the prettiest out there. Um, and I know he's battling uh, some stuff, uh, physically and, um, you know, look forward to, to seeing what I can do to, to help him get back on track. Um, but, uh, Verdugo, uh, same thing, you know, young guy that brings a lot of energy. Uh, I actually was able to play with Alex for a couple weeks in Oklahoma city at the end of my career, um, as he was coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've seen it firsthand, just the ability. Um, and you know, again, another guy that I just am really looking forward to watching play. You were in the National League, like I said, for most of your career. You obviously had a stint with the Rangers there in, in 2015. But what are your Fenway memories? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you played there a handful of times. And um, if you have any good ones that stand out. Yeah, well, I I definitely, uh, you know, again, I always have put the Red Sox, like most baseball players, just on, on this pedestal of, right. you know, uh, with their history and their legacy. And uh, certainly walking into Fen- Fenway Park as a, visitor and being able to play there lived up to all the the hype i mean the the energy um you know being able to go into uh the wall and and sign the wall was an amazing thing like something i'll never forget um you know uh, being able to to just be on the field and play there get a couple knocks i mean just a just a really cool experience that you know like i said you have this vision of what it might be like and Mm -hmm. it lived up to every bit of it Digging into kind of your personal background a little bit, Alex, as I mentioned, said that there's the familiarity because you both grew up in baseball families. Uh, Alex Cora grew up, you know, a lot younger than uh, his older brother, Joey, who was in the majors and and talked about getting to kind of learn that big league lifestyle as a kid. Your dad, Max, played 12 years in the big leagues for a few different teams. I guess for you, what was that like just growing up? And it's cliche to say growing up in a big league clubhouse, but I, I guess there are some truths to that. And then, um, you know, just, I guess it being ingrained in you from such a young age, what this looks like, what the major league lifestyle is really like. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, things I'll never forget. And, you know, I, my memories, you know, even though, I mean, I did, you know, really did grow up in a clubhouse, um, you know, I probably not, like eight years old, uh, you know, maybe is when I really, really remember kind of mm-hmm. like some of the day-to-day stuff and the players and looking up to those guys and obviously my dad. Uh, but it was just a really cool experience, you know, dad, uh, to be able to watch your dad at work and to uh, succeed on that level and to achieve those goals that I know that, that he had as a young person uh, really instilled in me, like, you know, just like I could do, I could do this. <laughs> like my, my dad could do this. Like I could right. do, just kind of normalize the idea of it. Uh, which I think was was huge in my my kind of own path to, to get here. Um, but it was just a cool experience. You know, it's cool to be in the clubhouse. The guys treat you great. Uh, you get to be around baseball all day. It was, it was awesome. And and reading about you a little bit, you lived in Japan and the Dominican at times growing up? Yeah, my dad played winter ball uh, a couple of times. So we went down there and uh, would, would spend some time there in the winter, which meant, you know, 
going to school and going to class sometimes, which was a great experience. And, mm-hmm. and then a couple of years in Japan where, uh, you know, a couple of years we ended up going um, and just doing kind of homeschooling, which was great because we got to be there the whole time. Um, and just a really unique experience to see some other cultures, uh, right. to, to really have the opportunity to go out there and uh, watch your dad play baseball in a different country was was a lot of fun. And I'm sure that's helped you connect with the players from those places more than, you know, maybe the average American kid growing up who never had those experiences, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it gives you it gives you a conversation starter and to, yeah. to see and be exposed to some of the things that they've seen and come to some of the places that they've been from is always helpful uh, as you're trying to get to know somebody. So, yeah, I think it, it's uh, helped a lot. I know that you're probably asked this on every interview you do about your basketball career uh, at Princeton. You were the uh, two sport athlete, a star in both sports. And um, from what I've read, it seems like you were pretty adamant that you wanted to play basketball long term instead of baseball at first uh what when did the switch happen there um, i think there was a quote saying that baseball was totally secondary and that you thought you were better at basketball obviously and that's not the way things ended up yeah no i just always loved basketball i mean it, you know all the time i spent around baseball it, and I, I love baseball too and always have loved baseball but i mean i was full-on obsessed with basketball it, mm-hmm. it was just uh took over my life completely. Um, but I had a, a natural ability with baseball and been around the game and knew the game. Uh, so I was able to, you know, as a younger person do well, uh, but really kind of, you know, in middle school and high school, put it on the back burner, um, played, played a couple years in, in high school, but was, you know, more focused on basketball and then ran track one year. Uh, and then once I got to college and, you know, my, my mom, she really did have a huge impact on me. She had seen that the, the opportunities that baseball had given my dad and really just kind of hinted that it would be a a good idea to keep that door open. So, um, you know, I actually went to college uh, for basketball, but then freshman year was like, all right, like, let's give it a try and worked out. Um, By the time baseball season came, I was burnt out with school and basketball. And and it wasn't until my sophomore year that I I picked it back up um, and was able to, you know, it wasn't pretty. I'll tell you that after spending some time off, it wasn't pretty, but, uh, I had a great coach and coach Bradley at Princeton. And um, I think it was a perfect league for me to, you know, get, get acclimated back to the game. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I listened to mom and it worked out. Yeah. Uh, the thing that jumped out to me as a, and I said before we started that uh, Carolina alum. So a couple things about you jumped out, but number one, going into Cameron indoor and scoring 21 points for Princeton. Um, that kind of, I guess, take us back to that, that 2005, yeah, I think 2005, and I I don't know. It was either my junior or senior year. I know it was mm-hmm. my my better game there. We played both both years there okay. um, uh, on the road at Cameron, but uh, but yeah, it was awesome. You know, it's uh, not often in the Ivy League that we would get those games. Um, you know, out of conference, we'd have a couple every year, so it was always special. And it was just kind of one of those days that um, you know we had some injuries, we had some some guys that weren't playing well, and the ball just ended up being in my hands a lot and. Uh, I always am somebody who uh, really likes to, um, you know, likes the challenge of, of better competition. And, uh, you know, we, it, we didn't win the game, which was uh, obviously what I wanted to do, which would have really been special. Uh, but it was nice to go in there and have a good game. And uh, regardless of my performance, like just what an unbelievable experience to be on the floor um, and, you know, having all the, the camera crazies point at you and boo you and uh, the whole thing was awesome. I, re- I read that they actually applauded you as you walked off. 
Is that not I, true? I don't, I don't know about that. That might, <laughs> they might they, the legend might have uh, you know outgrown the reality there. But uh, you know they were uh, Coach K. Everyone was very complimentary. Uh, you know it, it was it wasn't a great game overall for us. Uh, so I think it was uh, they needed something to be complimentary mm-hmm. of, and it was um, you know I was the guy. But uh, but yeah, great great experience. So that was like JJ Redick. And, and that, that I think was the JJ Reddick time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and not to harp on Duke stuff, which I could do all day because you know I hate them. Um, <laughs> but I, where does I guess playing Cameron Indoor compared to I don't know a packed house at Wrigley or um, you know some of the places you played or even you know packed Fenway. I mean I think it's to me it's a, a little bit different, but the similarities in, in intensity are are there for sure. Yeah, I think it's the the rare combination um, in sports of just great tradition and history, great fans, uh, really good teams, and just great venues, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the Palestra in Philly, uh, playing Penn there, you know, I put up there too with with Cameron and just just really magical places, you know, where you can feel the history um, beyond just the buzz uh, and the intensity of of that, that game night. And certainly uh, Fenway and Wrigley are, you know, at the top of that list too. Just, just some, just really cool kind of uh, things that, you know, happen rarely. Mm-hmm. For, for you still, I mean, you haven't, I'm sure, and the Cubs front office, because they're the same guys that run the Red Sox front office are famous for their pickup basketball games. So I'm sure you, you played with those guys, but not playing competitively for a long time as you had a long career in the majors and, and on to, you know, front office and coaching. What, unique I guess qualities from being a basketball player help you as a big league coach are there any that you think you can bring that are different than um you know maybe the traditional guy who only played baseball well I think that the thing that I learned the most about basketball or at least my transition from basketball to baseball is um is just athleticism and the value of just being an athlete and I think with baseball there's so many things that we do mechanically and there's so many challenges mentally and just things that um can kind of lead us to forget that being an athlete is really what you you want to be out there and that's really a valuable attribute to have and so that as as i'm looking at the guys and and coaching guys like that's something that i i really like to keep an eye on and and really like to to help guys just maximize their athleticism because i know that's what helped me survive Mm -hmm. um you know when you're talking about survival tools and um being a great base runner, being a great guy, you know, defensively, um, those things, you know, you have to be athletic to do those things. So uh, for a lot of guys that aren't hitting 40 jacks a year, you know, uh, being able to be an athlete is, is going to be the thing that helps them sustain. So, um, you know, that's, that's a priority for me that I learned from basketball. And and definitely a theme that, that Alex Cora has talked about and things that he, he equalities, he appreciates when you talk about the similarities there too. So, so last, but definitely not least, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about, the master's degree that you received uh, in the last couple of years. Um, this was kind of a surprise as I was looking into uh, your background when you were hired, but you actually got your uh, master's at the Keenan Flagler Business School at the best university well, in the country in Chapel Hill. So I, I want to hear all about that. Okay. Well, that story, I don't, that uh, got to correct you on the record here because okay. I did not graduate uh, or even get close. Oh, really? Okay. Well, you started the process, which counts. I started the process. I got uh, two months into my program 
And then, uh, so at that, that, at that time while I was in the program, I was a, a special assistant with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And then that off season, um, which was 17, uh, where I'd been in school for a little bit, had done a year of uh, special assistant work with the Cubs. Uh, they offered me the first base coaching job. And so I dropped out of school because okay. I, I, I couldn't, you know, I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't do both, uh, having left. So I appreciate it. It was cool <laughs> to be in there for, for a couple months, but definitely didn't graduate and have all the respect for my classmates who did. Cause it was pretty challenging. Uh, so what were your impressions of Chapel Hill in that time? Oh, I love it. I love it. And my wife went there. Like I mm-hmm. had, I, we spent time there. Absolutely love Chapel Hill. And I was, yeah, I was honored to get into that school in the first place and, and, and to be able to go there and, um, you know, end up going to see some basketball games, just, just, just really, really cool to be a part of, part of that, uh, school, just, just for the short time I was. So, I mean, maybe, uh, there's room to pick it back up either during the off seasons or, uh, later on. I know the goal is probably to become a major league manager, but you know, I, I think if I was a, a general manager or president of baseball operations hiring a Carolina degree would go a long way. So, uh, <laughs> that's, right. that's one thing to think about. Well, well, thanks. Thanks so much. And uh, welcome to Boston. Looking forward to uh, seeing what you do on the staff with the Red Sox. And thanks for your time. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris.